C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters. The book is based off of this idea. It's a fictional work. It's really too close to home to be considered too fictional. It's a, the story of one demon, mostly, that is training other demons how to lead men astray. <clears throat> and there's a part in the book I want to read to you, just a short passage from the Screwtape Letters. This is the older demon speaking to his mentor, or his mentee. And he says, you will say that these are very small sins, and doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy, or from the demon, it was God. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to keep the man away from the light. Murder is no better than cards, if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Those words that that, uh, C.S. Lewis had penned, no doubt had been some that he had experienced in temptation in his own life before he became a believer, but those words speak, uh, speak volumes to us as we understand that really there is this light that we've been studying about for two weeks now and We've been under looking at the origin of it. We've been looking at the purpose of it. And this morning we're continuing to look at the purpose of light. And like last week was, one of the purposes was to illuminate our path. We saw in Psalm 119 that your word, God, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This morning we're looking at a little different thing. Not just to, rev- to illuminate our path, to see what we're walking into, to see where we're stepping, to be able to identify stumbling stones and issues. But this morning it's much different. It is to illuminate not so much our path, but something else. God wants to use this light for a very important purpose in our life that does not necessarily deal with the next step we take of faith or the journey of life that we're on, but rather the origin of that journey. So I heard many of you, as you've seen on the screen, we're going to be in John 3.16, down to verse 21. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. John has several themes. He not just the gospel, but 
also 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John toward the end of your Bible. And then, of course, John is the author, co-author with the Holy Spirit of the book of Revelation. And when you take all of these different letters and epistles and gospel that John wrote, you see that there are several themes. There are certain words and word pictures that he likes to use throughout his writings. One of those is light and dark, truth and falsehood, life and death. Those are some of the words that you will find sprinkled throughout his gospel, also his letters. And you'll even find a picture of those, though he wrote it much later in life, you'll still find a picture of some of those detailed in the book of Revelation. And here he, he lines up for us. In the third chapter of John, as Nicodemus, one of the religious rulers, a Pharisee, a teacher of the nation he's referred to as, he comes to Jesus by night. He didn't want any of his counterparts to be able to see him speaking with this man in whom they did not approve of. So he comes to him by night and he asks him some very important questions. And Jesus has this tremendous conversation with him. An in-depth conversation to which Nicodemus really seems to wrestle with the contents of what Jesus is saying. One of, the, one of the wrestling moments came when Jesus said, I tell you, you must be born again. Nicodemus did not understand the concept of being born again. He had to be able to, uh, to, uh, to, to think about it and to wrap his mind around it. But he was saying, can a man enter his mother's womb another time? He didn't understand the spiritual significance of the words that Jesus was saying. I would encourage you, if you're looking for something in your quiet time, not just studying light on your own, but I would encourage you to find those moments in Nicodemus' life throughout the Gospels and see how these words had an impact on his life and how it changed him in the few other moments we find him in Scripture. But Jesus tells Nicodemus something else. Not just giving him this great discourse about life and death, but he ties in that, that wonderful word that he used so often again was light. And he says, this is the condemnation. God didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And then Jesus, after He reveals what God's motive was in sending Jesus Christ to save the world from sin, He then says, this is the condemnation. He's not saying that there will not be a condemnation. He's not saying that, that there will not be a judgment. He's saying the purpose for which Jesus came was not to condemn men, but to save men. There will be a day, there will be a time of judgment in which we must all appear before that judgment seat of Christ. He's not saying there will not be a condemnation. He's saying that Jesus did not come in this dispensation for the purpose of condemning. He came for the purpose of gathering, of saving men's souls. And then he reveals what that condemnation is. He says this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Now think about that for a minute. And if we're taking notes, this is our first stop. Light has come into the world. Think about all of what that phrase entails. Think about all of, the, all of this that is painted now on this canvas as John, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is repeating these words that Jesus said when Jesus Himself says, Light has come into the world. What that tells us is, this is that obviously if light has come into the world then there was a season there was a time a moment where there was just darkness 
You may remember in the very first message in this series, The Origin of Light, we went all the way back to creation. And we saw that God from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of time, had been swooping in to rescue the world from darkness. He gave light. The light that Jesus is speaking of is not our physical light. Not the sun, not the moon, not the stars. Not these lights that we have hung here in the sanctuary or standing back behind me. That's not the light that Jesus is talking about. The light that Jesus is talking about is not a physical, but a spiritual light. Do you remember we were speaking two weeks ago when the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What he was saying is, God, we walk in a very dark world. We walk on an uncertain path. We walk in places where there are snares and pitfalls and dangers abroad. The psalmist was reminding us by telling us what the word of God was as a light to his steps. He was reminding us in the same breath that our world is dark. Not just a physical darkness, but ultimately a spiritual darkness. A moral darkness, a depravity of holiness and righteousness. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm that light. And I came into the world to bear witness to the holy standard of God. I came not just to bear witness to the holy standard of God. I came to show everybody that I have not, that God has not forgotten them. I have shown everybody that there is no reason, as in Isaiah, to grope at the wall as in the darkness, for the light has come. Light is victorious. And Jesus here is saying, I am light. In John 15, Jesus tells his followers, I am the light of the world. He comes out very clearly. In fact, in John, in this very, very gospel, in the ninth verse, Jesus is telling them, or excuse me, John is recording that Jesus is that true light. He is the one who illuminates. He is the one who reveals. He is the one who is met and is perfect and has, has attained the, and is the holy standard of God. I want you to think about that for a moment, that light has come into the world. Light has come into the world in Jesus Christ for the purpose of coming into our life as Savior and Lord, for the purpose that that same light may go out into all of the world. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5 to his disciples, these new believers he's just called to be his followers. He turned to them and he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, he said. Think about those words for a moment. Jesus now has his ragtag group of followers hand chosen. They're following him. They've just started this journey with him as their as their, their priest, their Messiah, their teacher. And yet Jesus already turns to them and says, you are the light of the world. Not you will be. Not you can be. Not you might be. But you are. Right now, with what little you know, you are the light of the world. Believers, let me remind you, light has come into the world for the purpose of coming into our heart and our life, for the purpose of going back out into the world, that we may be light bearers for the cause of Christ. I want you to see the second thing. Not only has light come into the world, but the light reveals. Verse 19, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world 
And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. If you look at that, Jesus is now speaking about not just coming into the world, but now he has narrowed his gaze. He has funneled down the message to go from the entire world in which he has now appeared. He now brings it down on the personal level. He says that this light is not just intended to light the world, nations, peoples, but it has a personal effect. This light literally shines onto our life and reveals things. Look at what he says it reveals. It says it reveals our deeds, what we do. There is a great distinction in these verses between doing the truth and doing evil. Doing what is right and doing what is wrong. And John says in this account, the words of Jesus is that that light discerns, that light defines what is right and wrong in our life. And if you look, those deeds, those things we do, we may look at our life and judge our actions, but we are a horrible moral judge. The Bible says is that we are so morally delinquent, we are so without hope, we have no idea, we have no way of being an accurate judge apart from the assistance and aid of God in determining what is right and wrong in our life. We are so filled with a sinful nature. We are clothed in this sinful flesh. We live in the midst of a sinful world with many sinful patterns around us. We follow a sinful course of life. It is so incredibly difficult to break free from that, and it is impossible apart from the assistance of God. We do not want someone else judging our sins. We wouldn't wouldn't benefit from someone else Judging our sins apart from God. He is the only one that is truly qualified to be able to look at my heart and tell me what is right and wrong. Not only is Jesus Christ the light of the world, but His Word is a lamp to my feet. I have both Jesus Christ, the work of His Holy Spirit, and the Word of God to look and reveal and examine and scrutinize my life and my deeds and allow Him to deem them right or wrong. My actions, my intentions, my inactions can be right or wrong, and God is the one who tells me that through the conviction of His Holy Spirit, through the conviction of His Word as I read it and see that my life is out of line, that the words I have said do not match up with truth. That the hate in my heart is not to be there. The Word of God is what gives me the direction and the, or, and, and the lineup for what I should be doing. And Jesus said, this is the condemnation. Light has come into the world and revealed. And it's revealed deeds. It reveals our heart. Jesus says it's not just going to talk, it's not, the, the light's not just going to expose what you do, it goes deeper than that, even to the intentions. Notice John is using another word, words he loves, love and hate. Men love darkness rather than light. They hate 
the light, is what John says. It's not simply a recoiling as we would imagine cockroaches when you walk into a dark room and shine the light. It's not just that they scurry and run, but that hate that Jesus is speaking of is the same hate that leads to murder. Jesus is not just saying that when this light is revealed, they recoil. Jesus is saying when this light is revealed, there are some that even revolt. Interesting that only a few years after he would have said those words, darkness would have risen up against the light. Darkness would have not just recoiled against the words of Jesus, but ultimately revolted against the words of Jesus and oversaw his death, thinking that darkness had triumphed and won. But one of the characteristics in light is that light always wins. Light reveals our deeds, it reveals our heart, it reveals our resistance. Something about verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. I had always read that verse as it being a revealer of man's pride. That's how I had always read that. That man would see the standard of holiness and God would reflect his own immorality. That he would read the word or hear the word and realize that what his actions were were sin. And rather than repenting of that sin, he would recoil or revolt because of pride. He didn't want to be told that his actions were wrong. And though that definitely can fit in, though we definitely see examples of that every day we find examples of that in the scriptures i couldn't help but think maybe there was another emotion maybe there was another attitude that jesus was addressing and not just of pride but one of shame how many of you have ever encountered somebody that when they realized what they had done was wrong rather than repenting, confessing it to God, repenting of it and turning from it, that they carried with them the shame over what they had done. They felt incredible guilt and a burden that would weigh them down. And they would even think in their minds, and maybe some of you have been there, that the things that you have done are too bad for God to forgive you. You may see that light, it glares on you, it reveals that sin, you know it's sin, you know it's wrong. And maybe it's not about pride so much and that you don't want to be told that you're wrong but shame and that you think that God would not ever stand willing to forgive you the good news of the gospel is it doesn't matter what you've done or how many times you've done it or who you've done it to the truth of the gospel is that, is that Christ stands ready today willing and eager even to forgive you to cleanse you of your sin and give you a right spirit with inside of you that's the good news of the gospel. The light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Isn't it odd? I'm preaching this text this morning in the very heart of our country. In the very heart of America, literally. Geographically, the heart of America. In a country that is so incredibly full of light, comparatively speaking. Isn't it odd in this day and age of technology? We can have light emailed to us daily. Isn't it 
Oh, that we can on our phones at any moment in time pull up the Scriptures. We can listen to sermons. We can be in a part of Bible studies. We can connect with missionaries, pastors, and teachers literally any time we want. There is not one of us in this room that is wanting for a Bible. We often have more than we will ever use. Isn't it odd? On this Sunday, in this place, I'm surrounded by churches that are also preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you would think that us living in a land Literally being in a place that appears, comparatively speaking, to be so flooded with light, you would think that so many great things would be coming. You would think with so much light flowing from so many pulpits and classrooms and phones and computers and emails, you would think, my goodness, with all of this light, there must be things. There must be great things happening. Isn't it funny? That right now, evangelistically speaking, the places in the world that are experiencing the greatest growth for Christ are those countries that are anything but flooded with light. The greatest movements of God right now in the world are happening in places where you lose your life. If you're found with the Bible. That if they find out where you're going to church. You're gone. The church is gone. And the people are gone. The places in the world. Where the most. uh, Most vibrant revivals are taking place. Are the places where there is such little. Amount of light. And oh don't be confused. Simply because there are so few sources of light. Don't doubt the potency. Of those little beams that show up from China and Korea, and the Philippines. Don't doubt what is going on in Saudi Arabia. Don't doubt what is going on in Egypt, even though there be few lights. Never underestimate the power of a pinpoint light when it is bright with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we sit in a world, in a home, in a region, with light all around us, available to us at any moment, and yet where is our great revival? Where is that great movement of God? I'll tell you, it's not because of a lack of light. It's because of what Jesus said. Because men love darkness rather than light. Because our deeds are evil. And either for pride or for shame, we know what the Bible says. We've seen what it reveals of our heart. And rather than choosing to turn from that sin, we would rather turn from the light and walk in darkness. Number three. The revealing light has a purpose. God's purpose is not to crush us with guilt. Don't misunderstand me. That light is not the magnifying glass on the ant. That's not the purpose of this light. But one essential component to salvation is that I have to realize I need to be saved. Let me say that one more time. An essential element to salvation is that I have to realize I need to be saved. If I don't ever realize that I'm a sinner separated from God for my sin, how will I ever, how will I ever know the need and be impressed with that need to call on Him for my salvation? Jesus is telling us in the Word that the purpose of the light is to reveal sin. Not comfortable. How many of you love that? 
How many of you love that when God really goes nosing and digging around in your life and starts uncovering a few things? Or a lot of things, as the case were. How many of you love that? Nobody loves that. We don't love the process, but we love the product. We don't like going through that moment in our life, but we love what it brings. Those who love God love to know that we're right with God and we're in a right fellowship with God. That's relational. And even when it comes down to saying, yeah, God, I'm wrong, I messed up, I sin, I understand that. God, I understand that this path is wrong. God, I understand that this action is wrong. We realize that he's not doing it to crush us. He's doing it to give us life. He's doing it for good, not for evil. It's not just to reveal our sin, but it is to show God's standard. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He loves us too much to leave us to our devices He loves the world too much not to reveal to us our sin and our need of Him. Ultimately for the purpose that we would come and see that light. And we would say, woe is me for I'm undone. We would repeat the same words as Isaiah did. That he would say, I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. That that light of of the gospel of Jesus Christ would shine so brightly. That there would not be one corner or crevice of our life where sin would feel comfortable. That we would be able to reveal and see clearly that God has deemed our action, our inaction, our deed, our motivation wrong. And that we would say for that first time in our life, God, I know that I have sinned. And God, I know I stand as a sinner. And I only have two options with what I know. To turn away from that light and to continue in darkness or to turn to you for forgiveness. You see, there will be a day when that door will be shut. But right now, Jesus Christ, the door stands wide open. There will be a day when all who have failed to trust Christ as their Savior, they will hear these words, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire and torment. But today, Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are labor, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What are we doing with that light? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. Please listen very carefully. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, The Apostle says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine upon them. Think about that. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Friends, you have no idea. Many of you have no idea. The people that have taken to pray for this very day. The people that have committed to pray for this service for you being here and I know that there have been some that have prayed for this very day this very moment in time that God would continue to do what he has done since the formation of the world which is rescue it from darkness that this morning in your heart personally in your heart personally the light of the gospel would shine clearly onto your heart. That it would reveal your deeds. That it would reveal your intentions. 
that it would reveal your need. And friend, let me tell you, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, I have done my very best to reveal to you the light of Jesus Christ. And now you are faced with a decision. What will you do with that light that you've heard? Will you reject that light because you don't want it exposed? you want to get away from it? Or will you walk towards the light? Would you be willing to say in your heart as the, as, as the Word of God declares you a sinner? Would you be willing to say, God, I know I am. And I know I need a Savior. And today is that day. Today is the day I accept your sacrifice for me on the cross and receive you as my Lord and Savior through faith. Let me end with this. Christians, we're not out of the woods either. John says in 1 John, in his first letter, says, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. Think about that. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we're liars. Christian, where are you at? Just because you're saved does not mean you're walking in the light. You may be walking in darkness. You may be practicing evil. Though you're saved, you may not give any impression of it from your life. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with Him. And the blood of His Son, Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. Where do we stand? Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, and today's the day. Maybe you prayed that as long as I was sharing that with you. I'm going to invite you to just come down. I'm going to invite you to come down and talk with me. Talk with any of my counselors that will be available. Let the world know that today you turn from darkness into light. Whatever decision may be Christian, you're tired of walking in darkness. You want to turn and walk in the light. You want to have true, genuine fellowship with Jesus. You want to stop this lie. You want to lay something down? You want to rededicate your life? Maybe, friend, it's the church. You, maybe this is the church you know you need to be at. <coughs> maybe you know that God has called you, led you here, and equipped you for the purpose of serving His kingdom through this local place. Whatever decision that is this morning, I pray that it would all be done for the glory of God.